Is he not cool or what? He preached for a Sunday and we went to lunch and he had a little knit cap on. I said, man, you're like a hipster. And uh, so good. Man, what about the last session with Bishop? Man. Ooh. You know, I, I was amazed Sunday and, um, you know, just how people responded to the presence of God and, and the gift you have, Bishop. Thank you for being here this week. What an honor, what an honor. You know, I, I just want to jump right in. You know, I uh, see these young voices that are rising in the kingdom, but I'm a firm believer. Every year at Rise, we've tried to bring, I want to be sensitive, a seasoned voice into the house. We've had Tommy Barnett, Pastor Mike Hayes, other ones that have come. But every year we try to bring someone that has a little seasoning and um, some experience. You know, it's, it's one thing to get advice from somebody that just stepped on the scene and, you know, came with the fresh word. But I love people that have words that have endured time. So thank you. And uh, thank you for being here. Let me jump in. What do you believe? You've seen a lot a lot of transition. You've seen a lot of styles of music, a lot of styles of ministry through the years. But what do you believe God is saying in this hour to the body of Christ? Well, I still like the, uh, the analogy in Ezekiel about the river of God in terms of how it flows. And um, the, the thing that I, that I love about the river is, is that all kind of fish are in the river and that I think I should be able to go any place where God's moving and sense the Holy Spirit. And I think when I limit what the Holy Spirit can do in a certain kind of setting, then I limit the Holy Spirit. So the, the idea for me is to realize that I have to appreciate what he's doing anywhere he's doing it in a way that enables me to say, I can see the Holy Spirit here, I can see the Holy Spirit there. I, I, it's, it's, I, I can be in a, in a Roman Catholic church where they love Jesus, and it's hard to, to, uh, to say to some people because they don't think there are any Roman Catholics who love Jesus. But they, they do, and in many cases, their, their passion and love for Christ outrivals some of the things that I've seen in other places. But where I am is, is that there's this passage in Matthew 13 where Jesus says, every disciple of the kingdom is like a wise householder who takes out of his treasure things old and new. And my contention is that if we lose touch with the old, then we've lost touch with our history We've lost touch with how we began, what we, what we used to do. I grew up in a church where the, the songs that we sang then were not the kind of songs that I sing now. But I also realized that there was a time when I was too small to be left on my own, and so I had this, this playpen. And, and I look back on my past, and just I'll give you an idea. One of the songs that we used to sing in, our, uh, in, in the, 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 the movement was, I'm under the spout where the glory comes out, where there's no grief or pain, and I'll always remain where there's plenty of rain, under the spout where the glory comes out. Well, that song soon became, well, I don't want to sing that song, but it's part of my history. 
and it describes something in a language that was appropriate for that time. When, when, I, when I began to sing a song like, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and people say, well, who wrote that? Where did that come from? And I'm saying, well, that's uh, it's a hymn of the church. And in all probability, uh, if you'd been there, you probably wouldn't appreciate the fact that Luther took a, a tavern song and put words to it like we still do. And we take songs out of the world and we will we'll re rearrange them and put a nice little Christian verse to it. And, but I want, I want musicians to be able to to know what their history is and, and what, we, what stirred us, what, what brought us to Christ. You know, Bishop, one of the things that I marvel when I watch you minister is the fresh sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You've done this a long, long time. And how have you stayed sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit? Because it's easy in ministry to get calloused and jaded. And how have you stayed so fresh to God's moving and sensitivity to his moving? Um, there's a um, there's an expression that goes something like this: Where does good judgment come from? And the answer is bad judgment. Um, so it's learning that there are moments in your life when the Holy Spirit is going to be very present. I was just sharing with some of the guys at our dinner table, and they were asking what what were the two. What was the most significant encounter that I would say I looked at with the Lord? And I said, well, I think there are two things that, that are parallel for me. One was Promise Keepers, which was an, a major move of the Holy Spirit. And another place where was, was Toronto, Ontario. And in Toronto, uh, I went looking for revival. And I saw, I saw things taking place in Toronto that I grew up with in, in the black church. And uh, in the black church, um, what, what we were doing is in response to the Holy Spirit was called emotionalism. Uh, but when I got to Toronto, it was white people doing it, and they were calling it revival. And so... <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so my, my first response was, yeah, this is no revival. But I continued to watch what was taking place, and I realized they, they might have something. And so I asked, the, uh, I asked the pastor's wife, who was a powerful minister, I said, would you pray for me? And so she did, and I hit the floor. And when I hit the floor, I, just, I was just weeping. And so she's standing over me, and a bunch of white folks, there are not many black people in, in Canada. Um, <laughs> well, at least they weren't in that meeting. So I'm lying on the floor. <laughs> I'm lying on the floor, and I'm weeping. And I hear this lady say, oh, Father, just heal this man of all of his rejection. Well, I got ticked because uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have any rejection. And I knew I didn't have any because I was a pastor, I was a bishop, I was leading promise keepers, songwriter. I mean, I had all this stuff going for me. And, uh, and what I experienced was I, I had a, a picture of a, of a door like this. And it was moving in this direction, but the more it moved, the smaller it got. And I heard, I heard the Lord say, you can take my view or your view. 
He says, if you take my view, I'll heal you. If you take your view, you'll leave it like you came. Wow. And I, I, I was trying to think, do I want his view or my view? And it's, sometimes it's a good question. And so uh, I said, okay, I'll take your view. Well, I thought I was crying then. I thought I was crying. But when I said, I'll take your view, you know that passage in, in Genesis where, and the fountains of the great deep yeah. broken open? I, I, it was ugly crying. I mean, I just sobbed and sobbed. And I could just, in my mind, I could see all these white folks standing around me <laughs> saying, poor black man, poor black man. Just, he's, <laughs> but when, when I got off the floor, my life was changed. I had been doing ministry for a long time, but it was, it was there that I had a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that encounter with the Holy Spirit reminded me of other seasons in my life when I was desperate for God, didn't know where I was going to get what I needed to get. And the, my problem was that I grew up with, uh, with something that someone described as a divine dimension. This, this is the kind of place that I lived. My wife later, she says, what they're really calling you is ADD. And so, um, I, I, and I lived that way, not, not knowing that I was ADD until I realized that that's a real gift. ADD is a real gift. I've been given that gift, so. <laughs> I can tell. We, we, um, you, <laughs> It's been confirmed today by the mouth of a prophet. So I'll tell you what, I, I can scan the room and I can tell you who is hypertension because you see the ADD people, are, they're always bouncing their legs and they're doing this and they, they can't stop, but they are very creative and very bright. But I grew up that way and I learned how to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I told you something about meeting with some people and, and they said, how is it that you have survived? And I think there's, there's, certain, there's certain things that I've developed over the years. I, I, I call it staying power. And staying power for me meant, number one, you stay in the presence of God. You cultivate that. You, you don't do any things on your own. Jesus said in, in John 15, Apart from me, you can do nothing. What we really think he said was, apart from me, you can't do much. But he didn't say that. He said nothing. And I, and I looked that word up in the Greek. I, I took Greek. And, um, and, and the word nothing in the Greek means the same thing as it does in English. Nothing. <laughs> and wh what, I, what, what I came to see was that if, if God doesn't help me, I'm not going to get anything done. And so I learned how to be dependent upon him. And I learned that because when I first started preaching, I was, I was 14 years old when I first started preaching, and I'm, I'm 83 now. Nobody stopped me, so I kept right on preaching. But nobody helped me. And so many times... Uh, my first two sermons, I cried all the way through them because I just said, man, this is crazy. But then I realized if I fast before I preach, then God might help me. And so I cultivated weakness. I cultivated dependency. Uh, fasting is a big part of my life. And um, I, maybe I'll eat 
four or five times a week, four meals a week, but I'll fast three days. I will always fast three days a week. And, and so for me, it's, it's a way of expressing dependency upon the Holy Spirit. When I talk to people about fasting, they just, they think, I mean, running or something like that. But it's believing that you tenderize your soul, you humble your soul through fasting, and you're saying to God, I need you, and I want you in my life, and I need your help for me. So good. You know, I, I think there's so many leaders here that have probably come through this season, and um, they found themselves almost empty, you know, and I really sensed even today in our ministry time, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was just pouring in fresh oil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you talked about... Um, the scripture that talks about the flow of the river and how Mm -hmm. that river is continually moving. You know, I believe there's a move in the earth today and God is calling us to, to engage that. What are you seeing God do right now? Well, think, think of it like this. Um, Someone said following the path of least resistance makes both men and rivers crooked and no one ever drifted into success. The problem was I used to see the river of God in Ezekiel like a canal, but it's a river. And when the river encounters a boulder, it won't move the boulder, it'll go around. And so if you look at a river from, from a high place, like on a plane, you're, you're seeing it, you don't see a river just doing this way. It's, that's a canal, that's man-made. Rivers do like this. And the river of God, the river of the Holy Spirit, will take you some places that you would not volunteer to go. But when you get really hungry for, for the move of God, it'll take you some places that you thought, I didn't want to be there, and realize, oh, this is what I've been looking for. So it, it's like ankle deep. We know we sing the song ankle deep, knee deep. And when you are in the river, you're not just on one side, you're crossing, crisscrossing. And every time you cross, you get in a deeper depth. And there's a moment in which you realize, okay, this is deeper than I planned to go. And you realize now you're stuck because you're addicted to the move of the Holy Spirit. And you're saying this song, God, like we used to sing in our church, I can't do nothing without you, which is really a contradiction grammatically. But Right? <laughs> because it's two negatives. Yeah. But the, 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 the point is, is that when you get really desperate for what God has, you won't care where he takes you. And the, the, the great passages in Isaiah, Clarence has a CD, and we, we called it No Boat With Oars. That when you're going to get in God's river, he says, you... there. This river does not allow boats with oars. Oars say, I can determine where I'm going. The river of God says, you can get in, but you can't tell me where to take you. So good. So good. Come on. Wow. (laughs) You know, I I think coming out of this season here at this house, you know, there have been people that have not come back, but I do sense the ones that have come back there's this hunger in them. Mm-hmm. I think for some of, some of the things that we took for granted, 
the Holy Spirit has is, is shown us how important they are, the gathering of God's people, uh, the house of God. You know, I know we are the house of God, and wherever we are, the house of God is present. But the house, the assembling of, you know, and I sense that God is, is stirring us. What would you challenge us to do with this hunger that God is raising in the earth? Well, I think the first thing is, is, is that I would recognize that the people who are are coming. We we had a friend, um, and he had a, a a rebellion in his in his leadership, and and so I went with some others, and we 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 saved the church from the rebels. But he got so concerned about the people who left. And he said, "I miss my friends," and so my wife, she got angry with them, and she said, "Honey," she didn't say it like that, but it was. She said, buddy, you need to be more concerned about the people who stayed versus the people who left. And I think if there's anything, the COVID has been like like the snake revival that took place in Moses' time, that it divided people. And Paul says in, in Corinthians, he says, divisions are necessary Divisions. Everybody say that. Divisions. Now, it says heresy in some places, but, but heresies and divisions are the same thing. Divisions are necessary because it helps you to see who is approved. It manifests those who are approved. So when people walk away from you because of a division like COVID, it's saying to you, you couldn't build on that one in the first place. So... You look at people that God gives you at time to time, and, and my uncle used to say, people are like scaffolds. There are some people that come to your church, and they're to help you to build a certain part of that, but they're not the church. Yeah, so good. You don't, you don't paint scaffolds and make them a real part of your structure once the structure's up. So some people come, and they're just supposed to be there for a while. Others are not supposed to be there long at all, but... When the vision comes and it proves what you've got, I felt like God was saying, I'm making room for the people who are really serious about where I'm yeah, going. So and that if we're not, if so we're not in passionate pursuit of God's presence, because we didn't, we didn't realize some of the people that we thought were really into this thing and they were going to go for God and nothing would stop them. Man, you don't even see them anymore. But there are people now who are saying, Let's go get God. Let's get what God has for us. And in many churches where you were dealing with racial issues and cultural issues, and it, and it wasn't just white churches, it was black churches who believe in uh, pro-life and in righteousness in government and righteousness in leadership. And uh, when I started preaching that, declaring that, because that's part of the revival as well, uh, we, we had a Gideon revival. You know, that's when people leave, you know, so. But what we had afterwards is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the kind of victory that comes. Yeah. You know, Bishop, we have a few minutes left, but I I would just ask you maybe if you feel God leading you to speak over the leaders in here, maybe pray a prayer. I love what you said about the staying power. And I, I think for those that have put roots down in healthy places, they flourished during this season. But I think some of those places and maybe even people that were already on life support 
COVID kind of pulled the plug, you know, this last season. But would you just pray a prayer over this? Maybe speak whatever's on your heart before we go today and just just whatever the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, You've been such a gift, not only the kingdom, but to Rise Conference. Thank you. I I feel like, you know, you being here this week, God has brought us together for this hour. And me and Casey, our family, our church, you know, just feels like this is more than just a week, you know, but just feels like God has done something. Would you be willing to speak or maybe Well, let me just first say, I forgave you for not inviting me sooner to come and be in this. We worked on it. (laughs) You you actually did. Think think of it like this. Um, Watch... Watch your television commercials, because here's, here's our problem. Jesus says the, the people of this age are wiser in their generation than the children of light. That the world knows what the world wants. The church has no idea. And so we look at the world and we say it's going this way, it's going that way. But if you look at the world, you will see... You'll see advertisements where there's cross-cultural involvement. You'll see interracial marriages taking place. You'll see all of that in, on television. The church somehow has absconded from its responsibility or they've gone away from the thing that God has for it. And so we look at the, we look at the world, and the world is already multicultural. The schools are, the businesses are, and but the church, it, it, we're, we're a long way from that. So the passage that, that he spoke about in Revelation 7, 9, every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, it doesn't ever say race. There is no, there is no biblical word, no New Testament word that ever says race. Race is an implied statement. There's only one race. Wow. Uh, it's, it's Mark. And, and someone asked my brother once, do you believe in mixed marriages? And he said, no, I think Christians ought to marry Christians. So... <laughs> So the, the tender point that I feel like we are in this, in this age is that the church is going to have to embrace the fact that we can't go back where we once were. We were happy with our own, our own. Now, y'all go worship with your people and we'll go worship with ours. That's not happening. All right. And so there's got to be an openness. And like uh, when Doe was talking about it from the standpoint of what she was experiencing, Everyone needs to allow the Holy Spirit to bring them to a place where your inner person is no longer evaluating my outer person by your inner person. That you're looking at me and you're saying, God, whatever there is that you have for me in him, or I can look at you and say the same kind of thing, but your kids are going to make friends. Your kids are going to understand certain things. And if we don't model the thing that God wants us to model so that we become this wonderful fruit salad of the grace of God, this glorious thing where every tribe, every tongue, uh, our worship has to be far more uh, embracing of the things that are taking place so that sing a country western song. I, I believe that one of the best ways to understand what God is doing is through music. 
and let the music tell the story. Some people are going to come to your church and they're going to like country and western. And, uh, and they may like both or they may hate it all. And, and, but at the same time, you want people to, to hear something that they once heard. And the more, the more reflective we are, the more diverse we are in terms of what we do, how we say what we say. Every now and then, you need to have somebody in your church who can do a B3 and can hoop and say, or get you done. And if they don't understand it, uh, you can explain it later on. That, that they weren't crazy. But a multi, a multicultural church is a church that says, God, we're open to whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, and whoever you want to use to bring it about. And if you're ready for that, just say, God, we are ready to grow up and become the church that you always wanted us to be. Can I pray for you? <clears throat> I get to go to a lot of churches in different parts of the world. And um, what I can believe God for in, in America, I can't believe God for in Africa. Uh, you're not going to see that many white people in Africa. So it doesn't mean you're not multicultural. But what you will see in Africa are various tribes. And sometimes the hostility between one tribe or another can be as great as the hostility between one people group or another people group. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see what he sees when you see people. And understand that there are some real issues that are out there, but God has called us to minister to the brokenness that's in our world. And our openness to that will bring people into your life who are desperate to give you something and desperate to receive something for you. And some of your greatest gifts are going to come from people that you didn't think had anything for you. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Be open. And just ask the Holy Spirit... Anything in you that has residue from past issues, ask him to heal it. Get on the floor, cry. Make yourself cry if you have to. But allow the Spirit of God to come on you and break anything that would keep you from seeing Jesus in anybody. So good. So, Father, today I thank you for the journey that you're taking your church on. I thank you for the men and women here in this room who have gathered under the leadership of this amazing pastor and his wife. I thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. I thank you for my journey, for my wife's journey. I thank you for all of the white kids that my sons have married who told me, I'm just doing what you preached at. Be open to the fact that somebody may come home with somebody for dinner that you weren't expecting but believe that it's a season in which God is saying, I'm doing something fresh and I want you in on it. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you let Bishop know how much...